Howdy. Go ahead and put that pick up. I want you to take a look at something. What emotions do you think you see in this little boy in this picture? Go ahead and shout them out. I want to see hear your input. Fear? It's not hard to see, is it? Things like that are all over our face. This was a few years ago with my youngest child, Grayson. He's a little older now, as you can you know, notice over on the side of the pews there, or the seats. We, um, we got this pool, right? And for the longest time, weeks after weeks, we try to get them to jump off the diving board. Now, the oldest two, wasn't, it didn't take long at all. They, were, they jumped in quick. So much so that my middle child would be doing flips and spins off it almost immediately. But here's the thing I want you to notice. What does he have on him to protect him where he shouldn't have any fear? A life jacket, right? Now, by this time that this picture is taken, he has already trusted that jacket several, several, several times. He knows that that jacket will keep his head above the water. In fact, he's actually jumped off the side of the pool into the water. And that diving board is only a couple feet taller. He's definitely walked in through the steps. But we try to capture this moment where day by day we'd have, we'd have the camera ready and we'd be like, go Grayson, go. And he'd stare at us with this look like there's no way this is going to happen. And on this particular day, you see him at the edge, he's looking at us, still fearful. I still remember it in my head. I mean, he goes to the edge, <laughs> edge of... The diving board, as you can see, he's looking at us. By the way, what else could give him trust in this moment? Who's holding the camera? The fact that his parents are there. Karen and I are there, and, and you know, we've given him a sense that you know, you're going to be okay. You're just going to be okay. Trust us. You'll be fine. In fact, you've seen your brothers do it over and over and over again. You see how much fun they have doing it. Trust us. Go ahead, Grayson. Go. Do it. Go. And so he goes to the edge of the diving board, and you know what he does? Let me, let me pause for a second there. I mentioned trust. What we're going to be talking about in a way. I wanted to see what the world said about trust. So I looked up in to some podcasts I listened to, some websites, some books, and saw the 100 most influential people in all of history. Now I don't remember what website this is from because there are several that did. Go ahead and put out that picture. You may recognize some of these guys. Maybe you don't recognize a lot of them. Maybe you do. Now, this is a very subjective thing. You can go to several different places about the 100 most influential people in the whole world. But I thought that if you're influential in history, you must at some point have a lot of people trust you. Would you agree? Alexander the Great was ranked number one on this list. Ahead of Abraham Lincoln, ahead of Winston Churchill, and even George Washington was Napoleon. Albert Einstein was ahead of Moses in this list. Here's a fun one. Adolf Hitler ranked higher than Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. What? If we're talking about most influential people, what does that mean when it comes to trust? What, what, is, what is trust anyway? I know that we can, we can somehow live like we understand it, right? But it's one of those things that's hard to kind of pinpoint what trust is. 
I was thinking about the things I trust in life, and, and I didn't have to go far to see, you know what, we trust in companies. I trust in Apple. And, I, and I'll prove it to you. And, I, and for those of you who have cell phones, for those of you who have Apple uh, products, even if you don't, you probably have something similar to this. You trust in this so much that you'll do this. Put the next slide up. This is the terms of agreement. How many of you people, every time you have any kind of change in your phone, you have to log in and scroll down and say, I agree to the terms of agreement? This is everybody, right? Now, how many of you actually have read it? You realize there's 460 pages on this thing? <laughs> 460 pages in this, the iOS 14, the software that runs this Apple iPhone. That's what we're agreeing to. I mean, who does that? We played a lot of trust in that we're saying I agree. We have no idea what we're agreed to. We placed a lot of trust in companies. We trust all the time. And like I said, we kind of know what it means. But a simple Google search has this definition. It says, trust is the firm belief in the reliability, ability, truth, or strength of something or someone. That's a pretty good definition. Many of us are trusting something right now. In fact, you're trusting in something right now that I am not. Can you guess what it is? Your chair. You're trusting in your chair right now. The idea of trust is placing all your weight on and leaning on something. You're doing that right now. I bet none of you actually thought that when you sat down, you didn't trust the chair. And how you going to think, like, you know, this chair looks a little shaky. I'm not going to sit down. You're trusting it. So with this definition, you're trusting that the chair has reliability, the ability and the strength to do what it's supposed to do, do what it says and its purpose to do, which is hold you up while you sit. And I also know that you're trusting it is because you're not helping it out. You're putting all your weight on that thing. You're not kind of like, you know, Half on, half off, waiting for the thing to collapse, right? None of you are doing that. And we trust things. None of you thought about not sitting down. Now, trusting charity to hold you up would not mean very much if it didn't have the ability to do it. But it does. Time and time again, you've trusted those chairs. And so you don't question it anymore. So we can trust leaders, we can trust companies, we can trust the chairs we're sitting on, but the present question I want to know is, how big is your trust in Jesus? And I'm not talking about a trust in Jesus that leads to salvation. What I mean is, far too many of us as believers believe in a God who we don't trust, or at least have a hard time trusting in. And I, I hope most of us are believers here in Jesus, that you, that you have declared Jesus has went to the cross for your sins, but there seems to be a disconnect from my faith in Christ and my trust in Christ, in a way. There seems to be a disconnect in my belief in Christ for my salvation, my belief that Jesus and what he says, well, definitely I will be with him in heaven because of my faith, my declaration that Jesus is who he says he is, and my trust in Christ to help me get through life now. Our lives unravel, would you agree? Our lives walk on a crooked road. The song we sang, I believe, said desert path or desert road just a while ago. 
And there seems to be this disconnect between our faith in Christ and our trust in the God we serve. So God has shown me a way to challenge this issue in my life, and I hope after this morning he'll show you how to challenge it as well. Uh, to do that, I'd like to take us to a ba- uh, passage in the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs, book full of wisdom. If we were to take all these things in this book to heart, perhaps our life wouldn't stay so unraveled at times, I know that. Our lives would definitely have been different if we had more wisdom when tough decisions presented themselves in our past. So in this book, there lies a famous passage that many of you may have memorized, but you may need a reminder, as I do so frequently, when it comes to trust. And it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Seems pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. Seems like there's, there's not a lot of things that has to be gone into this to understand what he's saying here, but there is so much more to unpack from these couple verses here. I see some steps God has given us to help us out when life is just not together. When life is coming unravel, when it seems as though there's just this disconnect in the one who we believe in and the one whom we trust... And, and here are simply three steps I see that God has given us to help us finally get it together. Number one, go to God first with life's decisions. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What he did not say is start with yourself. And when it comes to trying to get our life together, I'd say most of us start with ourselves. We start with us and maybe we try to work our way back up to God. Well, what does that mean? It means when we start our initial thoughts, we, we start with what we think, we, we start with that, and if that doesn't work, we go to the next thing. It might be family. We start asking friends. We, we start searching the Internet. But in the end, maybe then we'll try God. But why is trusting God first important? Why, why does he say, trust in the Lord with all your heart? The reason is, wherever we go first, it shows where our trust is. Wherever we go first, it shows where our trust is. What we'll all do is we'll attempt to make decisions based upon the things we believe to be the best thing that will help us get through. And we all do this. If we go first to ourselves, it shows that we're pretty prideful and we're placing our trust in ourselves. Now, what I mean by going to ourselves first is placing our trust in the definition of what I just said trust was. It's placing our trust in our own abilities, placing our trust in our own truth, placing our trust in our own strength to get us through, to make the decisions. And that always is a wrong way to go. So asking a question like, why should we trust in the Lord first, seems like an easy question to answer, right? But if it was easy, we'd all be experts at it. And we'd run to Him first, but... In, all, in practicality, in, in, in what we do and what we show, shows that we don't do that. Which, especially if a crisis comes immediately, boom, chaos comes into our life and, and we, we run to ourselves first and then we're like, God, take care of this. And then all of our experiences, all of our thoughts, all those things, we start looking at maybe answers on the internet or do friends or family without truly acknowledging God. 
Why do we turn to God first? I love the way Isaiah 40, 12 through 14, he puts it like this. He says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Now, the reason that we should trust in the Lord and go to him first is because his wisdom is beyond our ability to even begin to understand it. To say it just said. And here's the point. God is all wise and our understanding is flawed. Very flawed. Job, who famously has his life unraveled in Scripture, says this in chapter 1, beginning of verse 12. He says, Where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, It is not with me. The sea says, It is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. And in verse 20, Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say, Only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. His wisdom is infinite. It sees all. It's in every place at all times. And ours, frankly, is just not. God has access to every experience, every facet of human life, every bit of all things that are pure and holy. And He has the ability, the truth, and the strength to show us step by step those things when He so chooses. And we rely on our own strength, our own ability, our own truth. We come up short. God says he wants us to come to him and then go measure everything else with what he says. It makes sense, right? Trust with all your heart, completely, entirely. In every aspect of our life, our knowledge, our will, our feelings, our, our emotions. That's, that's all of you. That's what scripture describes when it talks about the heart. Every part of who you are, trust in the Lord. So if our thoughts aren't saying what he is saying then our thoughts are wrong. If our emotions are not saying what he's saying, our, our emotions are wrong. If our experience is not coming to, like, with what he's saying, then we better figure it out and go to him and see what's wrong. Run away from those experiences. We, we can even add other means of decision-making, right? We can add family. We go to family who we trust. We go to friends who we trust. Uh, forms of research, internet, books. What we essentially do is not trust in God. We go to these other things for the truth because we're just limited in our knowledge and wisdom. And sometimes what they say may be equal, corresponding to what we already thought in our own mind, and so that gives us confidence that it may just be the truth. And if someone agrees with you, that builds it up. Like, yeah, you're right. I should do that. 
And God expects us to use those things. Okay, I'm not saying don't use those things. God expects us to use those things. And, and he puts people in our life, but under his supervision and not apart from him is how we have to live our lives. And that's the trust he's talking about. The way Paul puts it in his letter to the Philippians is that we should never put confidence in the flesh. Don't trust your human ability. Don't trust your human truth. Don't trust your own strength to make the right decisions. And if you can't trust your own in that, then you have to weigh everyone else's truth, everyone else's ability, and everyone else's strength up to what God has said as well. If we were able to do that, and let me tell you, we're just not that strong, we'd always make the best decisions, would you agree? And how many of you are doing good with that? I thought so. And you know, you and I, that's how we work. Instead, we try to mix a little of everything, and we, we, try to, we try to get a little bit of what the world says and a little bit of what he says, and it just makes us double-minded. Right? And so the last reason why we go to God first and not trust in ourselves is that trusting God first prevents us from being double-minded. See, there, there's a side of us that knows we need to trust the Lord, and there's a side of us that follows the world and its wisdom. It, it's kind of hard not to sometimes. As we go about our day, we are bombarded constantly with the world's wisdom over the Lord's wisdom. Aren't we? I mean, we may, make up, we may wake up and we, we will, perhaps we have a morning quiet time, as they call it, where we'll, we'll dive into Scripture and we'll pray and we'll, and we'll ask for God's protection and we'll, we'll pray for the things we need to pray for and we'll learn from Him and we'll commune with him and we'll have a great time with him in that moment but as soon as we hit the door or turn on the radio or something or go to work or go to school or whatever we choose to do the world isn't the scripture is it the world isn't that 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 place where we're where we're with god constantly in an idea that man we're being bombarded with his wisdom we've been bombarded with street signs we're bombarded with articles we're bombarded with radio we're bombarded with our co-workers our friends even our family with the world's wisdom and the promise uh, the problem services when we try to mix the two right we become double-minded romans 12 2 warns us not to conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the ruin of your mind then we'll be able to test and approve what god's will is perfect pleasing good will some of us continue to mix the two and this may explain why our life is just not together why we have crooked paths or desert roads, so to speak. We begin to insist on our own way. And when God pushes us towards a good decision, what do we do usually? We, we, we push back sometimes. Well, I really don't want to do that. This one sounds more comfortable, more familiar. This, this, this decision, God, the way you're leading me, I'm not so sure about that. We push back and... You know, perhaps at first it even works out, right? We've seen that. Perhaps even it works out, so we think, and we find ourselves unravels, and we have no direction eventually. So we keep on the same path, because if it's familiar, it's not where we need to be. His Spirit lets us know, but we still push back. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
When we see God pushing all the time in Scripture and His people pushing back they, because they don't understand, we see that all the time. Let me give you a few examples. God sends Abraham to a place he'd never been. I don't understand, God. God's toe anyway. God appears to Moses in a bush on fire that doesn't burn up. And the Scripture says, yeah, oh, this is a strange thing. I've got to go see it. He didn't understand. And you think he understood? No, Moses then goes... God tells him to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Uh, God, I don't understand. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Is his words. He didn't quite get it. God tells Peter, throw the net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> now, Peter was a fisherman by trade. All right, I, I think about these fishermen who win these tournaments. Uh, who They know when to fish, where to fish, what to fish with. My brother-in-law is one of those guys. He's won several of them. Right? If, if I were to go to the lake that he's lived off of his whole life and him in the boat and say, you know what, you're wrong, brother-in-law, the fish are here, what would he say to me? He would just laugh, probably. Like, no, I'll show you where they're at. So I imagine Peter, when Jesus says, throw your net on the other side, he's confused because... What? Okay, I'll humor you. Uh, I don't understand. We've been doing this all night, Jesus, but I'll do it. And then there were more fish than the boat uh, could even handle. Right? So they had to ask more people to come and help. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What happened when Abraham did what God wanted to do, even though he didn't understand? What happened with Moses when he didn't understand? God's people were free. What happened when Peter decided to do what God said to do when he didn't understand? More fish than he could even imagine. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, now the second step I see to getting your life together is aim to please God in everything you do. And again, more things doesn't seem obvious, right? He says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And you know, your translation was up on the screen. It says, submit to God in all your ways. Well, what does this mean? It means that you have such a close relationship with Jesus that is an intimate response where pleasing Him just becomes your goal. It's those everyday decisions, what we might say to someone, what we might do, where we might go, what we may buy, or lately, what we may post on social media, that we bring God's name to bear before we do those things. So we think before we act. Will this damage my witness? Will this cause people to grow closer to Christ or move them away? How do we handle this? How, how do we acknowledge Him in all our ways. Well, here's how. We use the Word of God and prayer when making decisions. Let me ask you a question. Do you use the Word of God in the decisions of your life? I think most of us would say yes as an answer to this, but how many of us can only answer yes to this with maybe when just really big decisions come? Take a look at this passage in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every 
good work. All Scripture, all Scripture is able to handle the decisions of our life. And I believe this. I believe for every decision in life, there's a principle in Scripture that speaks to that direction. Decision. Every decision in life, there's a principle in Scripture that speaks to that decision. Who should I marry? Should we have children? Should I stay at this job? How do I get out of this debt? Where should I spend my money? What do I think about sickness in myself or maybe a family member? Where can I serve? How has God gifted me? How do I handle this friendship that's really tough right now? How do I handle this friendship that's really good right now? How do I handle this family member that's being really tough right now? Anyone been there with any of these questions? How do I handle this family member that's really good right now? How do I handle death? How do I handle my boss? How do I deal with my coworkers or my employees? How do I deal with depression? How do I deal with loneliness? How do I live a full life? How do I laugh? How do I live with joy? That is, uh, the Bible may not give us all the specifics, right? Nowhere in this scripture did God say in his word, Scott, Mary, Karen, right? Because that would be, I mean, that would be really weird if that happened. Imagine how large the scripture would have to be if every specific detail was laid out for us. May not give us all those decisions, and that's all right. And this is why it's not just the Word of God that we go to, but it's also prayer. So when scripture does not have details, we must rely on prayer. Because the job of the Holy Spirit is to take what you've read, what you've learned, what you've studied, what you've, what, what you've heard God say, and the stuff that even he's hidden in your heart that maybe you, you've lost for a while or forgotten, the stuff that he hides in your heart, he illuminates it in your life. He brings it to bear and for your life and for your decisions. So while Scripture may not have said God, Scott, excuse me, Mary, Karen, right? There was a lot of searching, who should I marry in Scripture? What kind of, what qualities of a woman should I look for? Right? It's there. A woman who loves the Lord. And it goes on and on of the things that we should see. Right? What should we wear? What should I eat today? Do you know that it is said, and I'm not sure how we could even measure this, but we make 35,000 decisions a day. No wonder you're so tired at the end of the day, right? 35,000 decisions? Now, that could be anything, right? I'm talking, I'm speaking, my mind is making decisions for words, and my hands are moving right now. That's decisions as well. But, again, we, we hold it up to acknowledge it to the Word of God in prayer. What, is, what does God say about making Him famous in what we choose to do? What does God say about our witness as we talk to people, our family and friends, about His glory? Right, I, w- I was talking, I, I usually don't post political stuff on social media, especially nowadays. Oh my goodness. 
Because someone's going to take something the wrong way or someone's going to take something the wrong way. Right? There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. Uh, that's just how it is. And a, a, a really good friend of mine <laughs> said, uh, is what you're posting not glorifying God? Right? When it comes to politics. And so, so I, I wrote on his wall, I said, you know, it, it, who you're voting for is not as important as who you're living for. And it's just the truth. And we can go on with all things of life, right? What has God said in his word? And what has God said in his Holy Spirit to us as we apply that word to our decisions? That's how we acknowledge him. Right? How should I deal with this situation with my children? They're really tough right now. God has some things on how we should be, how we should act, how our anger and our, our joy and how we should lead them. And there's so many things that we take for granted in life's decisions, I think, because we try to be so double-minded and we don't go to the Word in prayer for things. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And here's the third step I see to get it together. Hope in God's promises. Hope in His promises. Because it says, He will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. This means you don't have to. You don't have to. That's encouraging, isn't it? Isn't that hope? Because how many times do we mess it up? How many times we go to the friends and the family, internet, books, whatever, and, and we just mess it up. And then we go to God like, well, here we are again. Help. He will make our path straight. So we don't have to. It, it means you won't have to stress about the outcomes. And, and I love that. Any, anyone here need their path to be straight? Anyone here walking on crooked paths? Is your marriage not on a good path? Are your finances on a wavy path? Do you worry about the future too much? Does the events of this past year especially have you wondering if your path will ever be straight? I have seen things, well, I've, I've talked with several of you about what's going on in your lives this year. I've seen you post things about the things that's going on in your life this year. Some of the things with your children or your grandchildren, or maybe even onset depression that's coming because of the things, or, or maybe maybe there was maybe there was a lost job, and it seems as if we have all these issues. Every time we try to do it right, we don't seem to be able to get it to where we're supposed to go. But God says He will make our path go towards the path He intends for us. My youngest two sons and I were outside a, a couple weeks ago, and my middle child, Liam, he, gosh, he always cracks me up with his random sayings. The kid talks all the time. In fact, our last conference with the teacher, which was, I think, last Friday, she said he's doing great, but boy, is he a talker. That's where he gets in trouble most. He cannot stop talking in class. And if you've had him for Sparks or Sunday school, I don't know if he's that way in, in children's church right now, but the dude talks. 
And he says some really weird things. I've always said, and I've told Ronnie this before when y'all were here, uh, I need to write a book. I need to just take all these things just write a book because everyone else would just crack up at all the crazy things that he says. So anyway, we're outside about a couple of weeks ago, and he, and he says, let the beach sunshine and chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, amen. Let the beach sunshine and chocolate milk. Now, for, for some of us, I think we could probably think of a better combination of what's up the beach. But, but I wish I could tell you, when God makes your path straight, that means everything will be sunshine and chocolate milk. And if I were to say that, I'd be a liar. <laughs> what I can tell you with certainty is when we have hope in God's promises, here's what happens. The burdens of life, while still present, will be easier to bear. Several years ago, I led a week-long revival up in uh, Edinburgh, Indiana, and never been to the place. All right, so, but as soon as I got there, there was a, a person from the church there that drove me from the airport to the church to look at it, and from the church to eat dinner, and from dinner we went to where I was staying that night, and the next day from the place I was staying to see some of the sights of Edinburgh, Indiana, and not really a touristy town, but to see their sites. They're proud of it, right? If someone were to do that in us, we'd show them all of our sites here too, for sure, in Athens, Texas. Uh, <laughs> and from, from seeing the sites to residences, going door to door these residences, drive me around to share the gospel with people one-on-one as you get ready for this revival and, and to share with them about Jesus. And um, let me tell you, a week-long revival, doing that every day, it's exhausting, it's tough, it's emotional, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Nothing would have changed the work that week of sharing Jesus with a ton of people in such a short time. However, it was much easier to bear getting in the passenger seat of that car and letting the ones who knew the most about the town do the navigating. Because you know what? God still had victory that week, even though it was a tough week. Lives were saved. Hearts were changed. I learned that this this super truth here. Victory will come even when we feel we are overwhelmed. And I know for a lot of us, when we start mixing the world's wisdom with God's wisdom, and and problems start happening, it happens fast sometimes, and (laughs) it gets overwhelming very fast, very quick. But life keeps going, and we still have to chug through this overwhelming thing that's going on. You're still going to find, you're still going to have to find that career. You're still going to have to choose that spouse. You're still going to have to buy that house, perhaps, or deal with those relatives, or handle those friends, and so on and so on. You're still going to have to to converse day by day with the boss or your employees. It doesn't mean we'll get answers to every question we might ever have about these things either. A blunt figure speech used in English points out that. Life is already hard, but it's only harder when man makes foolish choices. It's so true. Uh, to quote the classic movie, The Princess Bride, life is pain. Anyone who says differently is selling something. Like, there's a lot that is good and joyful about our lives, but we know it all too frequently it's not an easy road, right? While trusting God, it is much easier to bear. And even if we feel we are overwhelmed, we have the hope in God's promises that he will make our path straight, which means victory will come, even if you're overwhelmed. 
Now, most of this has been directed at the Christian, right? Those who have placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here today, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, then think about this idea of trust for a second. The more we come to know a person, the more we see that person in a pattern of life that's trustworthy, the more we trust that person. The more we're able to place our trust in what that person has said or done. There are passages in Scripture that relate us to this similar relationship with Jesus and trusting Him. John says in, in, in John 1.12, he says, To all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the power to become children of God. Much as we would receive a guest into our homes, John speaks of receiving Christ. And if we add that with John 3.16, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life, well, John uses a surprising phrase here. He says, he doesn't simply say whoever believes him. He says whoever believes in him, which gives this idea that we place our faith in a perfect God who is all wise and able and truth and strength to help us get our lives together and take away our sins. I, I pray if you've never placed your faith in Jesus that today would be that day and that you'd let us know if you have questions about that. So we're trusting in the Lord. With all our heart. We're leaning not on our own understanding. As best as we can see it. Acknowledging him along the way. And we begin moving one step at a time with Jesus. On the right path. Oh but then we get to what appears like a dead end. What do we do then? We'll pick that up next week. Oh. One more thing. As Grayson goes to the edge of the diving board, you know what he does? I'll let you see it. Go, Gray Gray. Woo! Go, Gray. Yay! All right. Other than the absolutely adorable Liam again talking, did you take a picture, Mama? Did you get it? Did you notice what Grayson did? As soon as he came up in the water, this huge smile on his face. But you notice what else happened? As he was swimming to safety, right? As he's swimming to the, this, uh, to the ladder, what does he say? Wow! Guys, this is where I want us to be. This is where I want myself to be. That we can trust in God with our, all of our heart, lean on our understanding, all our ways acknowledge Him. So at the end of the day, no matter what diving boards we're facing, we can jump in and, and see that God has shown us victory. And with a loud praise like Grayson just gave us, wow, God, wow. Trust in Him. Let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for this morning. God, I pray and ask for your forgiveness for the times where I haven't trusted you. I I believe in you as Lord and Savior, but there's times where I push back too many times. And so forgive me. God, I pray for the times now, even as I make my 35,000 decisions, that I acknowledge you in all your ways, that I bring you to bear in the conversation, that I acknowledge you with word and prayer, everything about my life. 
Lord, thank You so much for Your promise that You will make our path straight. I couldn't imagine it if You didn't. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.